हरि ओम वेलकम ऑल दिस इज द सेकंड सेशन ऑन मांडिकोपनिषद इन अ प्रीवियस सेशन बिंदु जी कुड एक्सप्लेन द वेरी बैकग्राउंड ऑफ दिस मांडुक्या अलोंग विथ बोथ मंगल श्लोका ऑफ श्री शंकरा एंड इवन ही स्टार्टेड विद द फर्स्ट मंत्र ऑफ दिस मांडुक्या टुडे ही विल रिविजिट द फर्स्ट मंत्र इन डिटेल Oh, I request Bindoji to start. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you, Jadavirji. Uh, before I commence, <clears throat> Nitya has gracefully consented to sing the Mangalas Mangalas Lokas because I am not a good singer at all, and she she has a good uh, uh, you know way she sings it. So after I do the Shanti Madra, she uh, she will do the. Mangala Shloka. Then I'll start the uh, mantras or Upanishadic part of it. Let us start. Great, great. Om Namo Brahma Dibhyo Brahma Vidya Sampradaya Kartrubhyo Vamsharushibhyo Mahadhyo Namo Gurubhyaha Shankaram Shankarajajan Keshavam Badarayanam Sutravashakrito Vande Bhagavanto Punapunaha ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेति मूर्ति वेद विभागिने व्योमवत्याप्त देहाय दक्षिणा मूर्तये नमः ओम भद्रं कर्णे विश्रुणुयाम देवाः भद्रं पश्येमाक्षबिर्यजत्राः स्थिरैरंगैः सुष्टुवां सस्तनूभिः व्यसेम देवहितं यदायुः स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्व स्वस्ति नो अरिष्टने स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दता शांति 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 इत्यादि मंगल प्रज्ञानाशुप्रतानेतिरचरनिकोकाजन्यान्वाशेषा स्वपति मधुरभुं मयया भोजयन्नो मयासंख्या परमृतमज ब्रह्म यो विश्वात्मा विधिज विषयान्श्य भोगान्ठा पश्चाचान्यामति विभवान्ोतिषा सूक्ष्मी शन स्वात्मस्थापयुवागतगुणगण पात्सौ न तुरीयः जागृदादि 
Thank you, Kumiti. Yesterday, we saw that the methodology of production of sound. Why yesterday the sound was taken as Shabda, Shabda Pramanam, was taken as an introduction and given is that if we really consider the first two mantras, the Upanishad is over. There is nothing more to be told that has been conveyed in the first two mantras. I'll just go through the mantras and then why I, I say this statement is will be clear to you. Om ityeda taksharam idam sarvam tasya upakhyanam Bhutam Bhavad Bhavishyatiti Sarvam Omkara Eva Yachanyatrikala Dinam Tattodvi Omkara Eva Sarvam Hedad Brahma Ayamatma Brahma Soyamatma Chatushpat. These are the two mantras what the Upanishads really want to convey. Those pure in mind, hundred percent absorption and clear in their understanding doesn't need one more word to be listened to understand what the Upanishad is conveying. This is because of all the Pramanas, the six Pramanas which I mentioned, Pratyaksham, Manumana, Mubhavana, Shaktapati, Shabdam, Upalapati, all of them, Shabdam is the only Pramana which can bring to us the knowledge of what is not available with the Pratyaksha. Because Pratyaksha is required for all other things. They, are second, they have their secondary layer of knowledge. Whether it is Anumana or Upamana, Arthapati, Anupalabdi, all of them. Arthapati also. But for Shabdam has a special power to enlighten us even that which cannot be pratyaksham for us or immediate knowledge what is can be sensed through the sense organs both external sense organs and we have internal sense organs through the mind also beyond that there is knowledge that knowledge cannot be conveyed through either the internal sense organs nor the external sense organs. This is where the Shruti is taken as a Pramana by the Vedanta or Advaitins, strictly because what Shruti is telling us through the Upanishad is talking about something which cannot be analytically proved 
empirically we can un understand that but to even to empirically understand that we need the support of words now when the words are being told we should understand the relationship between the word and the subject or the word and the object artham padam and artham artham means the one which is being conveyed through the word is called the artham for example when i say jalam or water the word jalam or water is a padam and the the material water is the padartha padartha means padasya artha the one which is being exposed or made available for cognition using the word pada for the artha to be understood pada padartha they have inseparable relationship vagartaviva sampruktau vagarto pratipattaye there is a prayer by kalidasa jagada pitaro vande parvati parameshwarau yesa prayer for that vaga and artha vaka and artha here pada and artha vak means the sound and artha why this is important is that whenever we have experiences in our cognition we cannot imagine about any object without even a common name like it or that something like that there has to be a word for that then only that object comes into cognition for us this reason is why we are looking into the world of objects and understanding the world of objects as nama roopa or name and forms we are so engrossed in the name and form of the objects the reality of the name and form always eludes us from understanding it yesterday i told you the narration of that now there is a term called pot we have a shape called pot and the pot has a utilitarian value so nama roopa and artha kriya kadita this is the words used in sanskrit name form and utility now the name cannot exist without the shape or the pot but the pot itself cannot exist without the mud and the utility can only happen when the mud is in that form and it is used so the relationship between the name and the form and the utility is what is called the transaction in our waking and dream all what we are doing is transacting with the objects which has got names and forms we cannot even imagine a situation of an experience which doesn't have a name and form at least if you do not know its real name 
you have to refer it as a common name like that or it something like that whatever words we want to use it this makes it important that from the time we are awake from the time we know have, having an cognition or a perception we are not even for an iota of a second devoid of the names and forms if it can be not have a physical form or specific form but at least the name conveys something because of the name it need not be a concrete physical thing like happiness sorrow we know what it is it has a name for it and that is the name because of which differentiate between the happiness and sorrow also but never a moment can we imagine of an experience without a name and form therefore the upanishad starts with the first mantra om it etat aksharam idam sarvam om is that one word etat aksharam idam sarvam idam means all this all this if you want to say with one word there is only one word called om no how does the word om become everything or stand for everything like the pot the shape and the mud is called a pot how does we say that sarvam everything which you can have a cognition or perception the knowledge of all the things which we can know that is included in the word om and therefore and why is it called aksharam naksharam that which doesn't at any point of time die or decay because all experiences need words therefore words are not decayable for from our experiences even when we have that deep sleep where there are no objects when we wake up we say that i had a good sleep there was an experience there yet words could not describe it but at the same time we brought it into the realm of the words by saying i had a good sleep it is our incapacity to explain that inexplicable state of deep sleep we brought them down to the level of a conditioned word was called a good sleep now when we say sarvam idam this word idam is contrary to aham in the sense i and this they are not together they are not always the same this when we say we have the tendency to exclude us from the word this anything other than i is this or that so idam doesn't necessarily for this it include this and that anything other than me 
So when the when the Upanishad says that Om Iti Etat Aksharam Idam Sarvam, does it exclude me? The reward of that answer is the second mantra says, I am Atma Brahma. I'll come to that later. So for the time being, the word idam means it includes you, me, everything. There is nothing excluding that sarva. This experience of word om, how does it stand for all the things? Later in the Upanishad, we will see that the word Om is a combination of Akara means A, Ukara means U, Makara means M, and then there is a silence after that also. Akara, Ukara, Makara, and Matra beyond that, Amatra. Because from that, from that, Amatra, the word has to. Why does uh, the rishis of those days come up with a word of home? There was no religion at that time. Don't think that it is a Hindu religious sound. No. Please understand that. This is word universal in nature. Whether you call alpha or apple or a, a or a in Sanskrit, all stands for the first sound we can make with our mouth wide open which comes from the throat the last one we will utter is when we close the mouth by bringing the two lips together is called m or makara ardha you can there is no a after that so m is the word for it and everything in between is denoted by one word u because u is that word where you are using the lip you are using the tongue you are using the the nasal you are using the throat also so the entire mouth is in operation when you say u now any name which we take has to be fitting in between the opening mouth Akara and closing of the mouth Makara in any language anywhere in the world without opening the mouth nobody can utter a word therefore any name of anything which is perceived fits into this word Om therefore it is that Aksharam or that word for everything as representative. Here it is called the Lakshanartha. Lakshyavajaka. It is integrative. It is not doesn't necessarily stand for that. Therefore, when such a word is known to the Rishis, they didn't want to waste it on anything which is mundane or ordinary experience. They said that the only one which is deserving this name is that which is in everything. 
that which is in everything or that which is everything can only be called om because it, it everything is included in it therefore om is the lakshartha or vachaka lakshya vachaka for brahma the idam sarvam is also denoting sarvam khalu idam brahma that word, that mantra of the Bharatarni Upanishad is here also, you can refer to that. When they say Sarvam Khalidam Brahma or Edad Aksharamidam Sarvam, both are denoting the same thing. Tasya Ubhakyanam. Tasya means this word which we have now mentioned as Om is everything. Tasya Ubhakyanam means the crystal clear exposition of the word Om is what going to be told by this Upanishad. Then the Upanishad says, Bhutam Bhavad Bhavishyadidi Sarvam Omkarayeva Bhutam means past. Bhavad means what is happening. Bhavishyad is what is going to happen future. So past, present and future. Sarvam Omkarayeva so you can imagine the net is being spread over whether we are alive or not is doesn't matter the past will include everything in the past whether we were there or before our birth also and the future will include everything after death also and bhavat is what we are when we are experiencing this world so it is indicative of Bhutat, Bhutam Bhavad Bhavishyatidi. Sarva Omkara means this Omkara is Anadi and Ananda. It doesn't have a beginning because Bhutam, where did it start? Where did the past start or where did it have a, where, where is the beginning of the past? It is unknown. Therefore, Anadi. Anadi means I do not know. The Adi Najanadi. The one which has no, where the beginning is not known is called Anadi. And Anandam is that which for which I do not know when it will end. So there is all Anadi Anandam. That Madhyam, in between what is happening is what is what we are experiencing for a moment. What we call it as, from the infinite point of view, our experiences are infinitesimal and what we call it as the present. And when the present came and it became past, we do not know. It Every moment it is moved with the transition between the past and the future. Future and the past is keeping on happening and which we think it is a present. Why does the Omkara come in as a for the in-between? Because all experiences the subject, object and the knowing in that experiencing period of future, present and past is depending upon Nama, Rupa, names and forms. And therefore, all those things put together can be again brought in only into the word of home. But does that mean Past, present and future is a, is a measure for Om. There the Upanishad takes us beyond that. 
what does it mean yacha yacha anya trikalatitam tadapi omkara eva that apart from the three kalas the three states of bhutam bhavat bhavishyat past present and future atitam beyond that trikalaadidam means beyond the, the so the the time itself has become irrelevant even before the time was born or even before the time came into concept because time is also after all a nama so even before the nama appears even that is omkara eva because this is what the upanishad will teach us how does the trikalaadita becomes the brahma because the amatra is going to invent the akara ukara makara after having spoken before you see the ne- next om there is a silence in between that is the that is representing the kalaadita so when we look into it we should understand that is the upanishad telling something which is unique to this upanishad sagracharya nisbhashya very clearly says no vedanta sara sangraha bhutam pragarna chatushtayam om ityad aksharam ityadi arabhyate this is the chatushtayam pragarna chatushtayam there are four chapters which i told you yesterday that is through which this upanishad is going to talk about the om aksharas how does it become everything for that what is the dependence of the upanishad is is it talk making a unique statement no here shankaracharya quotes from the other upanishad that they are also saying the same thing we have learned the katopanishad in the katopanishad we have learned that kadam punarongara nirnaya om ityadi chatushtayam pradivadyate idichate sarve veda yat padam amananti tapasamsi varnani cha yadvadanti yad ichchando brahmacharyam charandi tatte padam sangrahena bharvishyemi yat odat om ityadat in the first chapter second muntaka and the 15th mantra we studied this one ಸಂಗ್ರಹೇನ i am the yama is telling nachiketa that i'll tell you this sangrahena because if he has to explain it time is not enough because it's beyond time so sangrahena in brief in brief i will explain to you because you can't explain it same is the case here also we cannot explain the entirety of the word omkara here eda deva aksharam brahma eva deda daksharam param ಅಕ್ಷರಂಕ್ಷರಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ಆರ್ ದಟ್ ಬೃಹತ್ವಾ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಿ
Brahmi Vardhane. Brahma, the word Brahma in Sanskrit means that which is, two meanings can be given, that which is continuously expanding. Brahi Vardhane. Or in which everything is growing or in everything it is, it is spreading. Both the meanings are for, the word can be given for the Brahma, Brihi Brahma, Ardhanaitya. And this is the Paramakshara. There is no superlative word which can be used for such a entity where everything is, it is encompassing everything. Yatnyatva Yadichindi Tathyatat. The one who is able to understand that the enormity and the depth of that word, he is the one who has no limit where he can, you know, access. Because he, he knows that truth. So there is nothing more he needs to know. So Yadichandi Tathyatat. For him, there is no desire bigger than that, or he has reached the ultimate of the desires. And that Om is also Edad Alambanam Sreshtam Edad Alambanam Param Edad Alambanam Jnatva Brahmaloke Mahiyate. This is that Alambanam. Alambanam means support. The word Om is the support for Brahma, the word. And it is also the supermost support anybody can take. Yet Nyatva, knowing which Brahma Loke Mahyadev. If you know Brahma, you are in the Brahma Loka. Brahma Loka here doesn't mean a special heaven. Brahma Eva Loka, Brahma Loka. Brahma, that the whole world itself is Brahma. You become everything. Sarvam apnodi sarvashaha is what Chantokya Upanishad says. The one who knows this thing, he is in and through everything. How does this happen? This is, one, this is the most important part of this Upanishad which we should understand that. The Upanishad doesn't just say that, you know, Om is a aksharam for the Brahma or Atman. No. It is all everything. At the same time, how do we understand such a word which has no limit with which mind can grasp it? The baby, that is the reason in the Kedo Bhishat it said, no? Because mind cannot fathom such a thing. See, in this one, what happens is that when we look at the meaning of word Om, there is no specific meaning which can be given. Therefore, Shankaracharya has written a small treatise called Panchikarna, where Sureshirajarya has written a vartigam called Pranava Vartigam for that. It is a method of meditation using Om as a as a alambanam. This alambanam or the support which I said told you just now. Using that as a mental understanding of 
that which we are now going to study, we can elevate ourselves from the limited feeling which we have in our body, saying that I am limited by this flesh and skin and the mind and the intellect. No. This limitation is mithya or attribution which you are superimposing upon yourself. How does it happen that way? You, the, the method in which it is happening is that when the pot came into existence, the mud which is there everywhere gets narrowed down to the shape of the pot and the name of the pot. Therefore, it can do only that activity which a pot can do. Or if you look at a wave, the wave, there are multitudes of waves in the ocean. They are nothing but ocean only. Ocean has never converted or become a wave, but the appearance of a wave, we are superimposing separation from the ocean. Why? Because we see a separation or apparent separation in the wave. Can the wave at any point in time be without the water of the ocean? That relationship is the reason why the wave is the ocean. When we forget it, we call wave as a separate and separate name and form. The same experience for us when it is limited to a shape and a name, we feel the identity with this individuality. This is the reason why we call ourselves as I and that apparent separation which we identified onto the physical body with the rest of the world, world as other than us, that or this, idam sarvam. Everything is included in it. So the word Abhidana Abhideya is the name which is the name is Abhideya the word or the nomenclature. Abhidana is the one that is being named. In the traditional Vedanta there is a statement called Abhidana Avyatirekad Abhidana Abhidana Vedasya Cha Omkara Vyatirekad Omkaram Vyavam Idam Sarvam. What does Shankara mean by the say that? When we say that fire and the word fire and the object fire. It is so inseparable that we are any time mistaking with the tone too. But at the same time, the fire word has no independent existence and meaning without the fire. The, the, the only when the fire is there, the word gets a 
existence. So Abhideyam has a dependency or the name or the nomenclature of any product, any subject, any matter or anything is intrinsically linked to the, the one which it is being named. Same is the case with Om. The Om, even though it is a name like fire for Agni, is for the Brahma, for the Om. The reality of Om is Brahma. The word Om is used for the purpose of indicating Brahma, which is not fathomable with the sense organs. Because we can never think of Bhutam Bhavat Bhavishyat and Trikala Aditam. That which is within the past, present and future and beyond is not cognizable by even Manasapi or Chintaric. We cannot think even with the mind. Therefore, Om is the Alambanam and Abhideyam or the name which is used for it. Now, how does that name alone has get a importance is that in the first mantra explanation, Yachat Anyatrikala Adidam Kalyadigamam Kala Parichadya Mam Avakradati Tasyabi Onkara Yeva. The Kaladhi also Onkara said that. How does then Onkara stand for the Kaladhi? For that, we should know the what is the meaning of the second Sumandra. Sarvam Hyatat Brahma Sarvam Hyatat Brahma Ayamatma Brahma Soyamatma Chatushpad. The word Chatushpad is the reason why that is required. Sarvam hi etat Brahma. Sarvam everything. He indeed etat means this Brahma. And ayam Atma. This Atma by indicating to the Upanishad is indicating directly to each one of us saying that Atma, the meaning of the word is Atma is not a product or an object which is outside or anything. Atma means self. I am Atma Brahma. Does What does it mean? Yourself is Brahma. In other words, the other Upanishad Chandogya says Tattvamasi. That, that, that Brahma word is not used. It is only here the word Brahma is used for the Atma. I am Atma Brahma. Yourself is Brahman. Why? Sarvam hiyadat Atma. All these things are Atma cannot exclude you. So you as included in the Sarvam, I am Atma, yourself is also Brahma. Saha, I am Atma Chatushpat. Therefore, this Atma has got four measures. Padam means measure or Padam has got two meanings which can be, I'll come to that later. So, you have, we have to now understand that Upanishad is touching our chest and telling you are Brahman. Each one of, because Sarvam Yetat Brahma, there is nothing outside Brahma. Bhutam Bhavat Bhavishyat, all the three and Trikala Aditam, in these three Kalas and beyond the three Kalas, Sarvam Hetat Brahma, if all of them are Brahman, how you can be out of that? 
the Upanishad wants us to think and a crystal clear mind can transform himself beyond his own mind to know what is Brahman, what is that. When he say, I am Atma, Brahma, he is that, I am, I am that with which everything, I am in, not in me, everything is existing. I am also in that thing which everything is being suspended or if everything has got an existence. In that, when I seclude myself as an experience, I segregate myself as aham and idam sarvam, separate from me. Therefore, this soyam atma, now this word soyam atma has something called samanadigaranyam. The common substratum or the commonality in which the word is used. Suppose if I say, this man is that cricketer or that player, whoever his name is that. So this and that are two independent words indicating. This is indicating for something which is next to me and cognizable and reachable and I can touch and show that. So when I say this, I am using that as a reference. How can this be that? But when the word Atma is used, self is used, this self of yours is the, that self of everything. Now, does it make sense when I say this is that player who was playing that day on Wimbledon or cricket or whatever may be that? The relationship between this and that is now being removed by using a common substratum called Atma. So what I think as this Atma, I am a separate individual existence and the Atma of everything, Sarvam Khaluidam Brahma or Sarvam Hedad Brahma in this Upanishad, what it is sold. How can there be two Atma separate? This and that is the same because it is the same Atma, same everything. When you refer to this, you feel it is here. When you refer to that, it feels to be there. This and that is only a transactional reality, not in absolute reality. Both are the same. This wave which I am seeing is from that ocean which is far and wide and deep, does that make the wave separate from that ocean? No. This ornament which I am seeing is that ornament which is I am seeing, all of them are gold, doesn't make this gold and that gold separate? No, both are gold. This space which we are now talking and that space in which sun and the moon and everything is existing, is there any difference between them? I say I can't touch the sun because it's so far off in space. Locational wise, yes, you say it is far off. But in the space, is there any, any, is there any reason why it is not using the same space as yours?
you are also the space the sun also needs the space the moon also needs the space so the space is in which we are all existing same way when i am saying i am atma i am saying self i know myself as a knowing entity and this knowing entity is the knowing entity because of which everything is being known we'll come to that as and when the upanishad proceeds further so when it says so i am saha i am atma chatushpad now what does the word chatushpad means it is of four legged or four parts the word pada shabda has got a very grammatical usage pad it is coming from the word pad means gamanarte padam is what we use for leg foot in sanskrit padam is used for for measuring the the length by feet or the steps which we do the same gamana gamanartha kriyas all those some have got similar meaning for jnanam also so gatyavasaran gatyavasadanayoho is the word meaning gati means movement avasadana means to understand so all gatyartha dhatu or the dhatus which are where the roots which are indicating of movement is used synonymously for knowledge also in sanskrit so therefore the chatushpad shankaracharya says in his bhashya saying that don't think that it is talking about something like a four legged animal like a cow or an elephant or a horse it has got it has got separate four feet in which they are staying therefore it's a chatushpad it is got four legged no the chatushpad here is indicative of four quarters the four quarters are indicating like four quarters of a shilling or a coin by the quarter when you have that this quarter is the what is shilling is made no any quarter is part of the shilling or the coin same way when we say chatushpad it is part of the total four put together becomes the total there is one akara ukara makara and amatra there are four of them jagrat sapna susupti and turiya so when we are talking about these things in the future in the mantras please understand that they are not independent existences like a leg four legged animals where each leg is separate even without one leg the animal will still be there but if one quarter is removed from a coin the coin is not full you cannot call it as a one pound one quarter shilling is a quarter or whatever may be the currency which you are you are referring to and here the word should be understood that atra trayanam vishwadinam purva purva pravilapena turiya pratipattiriti karana sadhana padashabdah turiyasyuttu padasya idi karma sadhana padashabdah the padashabdah's explanation given by shankara in the bhashya is that by negating 
the purva purva what is saying that it starts with the jagrat sapna sushupti and the turiya it is coming to that one so that is why the chatur chaturpada chaturshpada is that when it is saying that the tena padena means it is a by the tritiya or accusative thing by the knowledge of the quarter of one of that everything is known or padamidi padaha the quarter itself is a knowledge which indicates that both the conditions under both the conditions even though there is an apparent segregation of into quarters there is a substratum in the which you can see the quarters the quarters cannot independently exist without the quarters i mean without the full as a background the substratum in which that 1 dollar or 1 uh, pound you has to be seen to see that the quarters exist together to make it as a quarter the quarter per se cannot have the value of the the full coin therefore by one quarter the everything is not made at the same time every quarter has got its own independent existence therefore the quarter and the full are inseparable for their own existence therefore i am atma chatushpad how does that happen this atma has got four legs does it mean does it have a four four uh, separate uh, experiences no like the quarter makes one full coin this atma is inseparable from all the four quarters here there is a normal misconception among the some of the teachings that turiya is separate from from the three jagra sapna sushupti turiya is separate from them they call it as a avastha turiya turiya avastha no it is not an avastha avastha means status it is the three quarters makes a full only when the fourth quarter is added the full is irrespective which quarter becomes what the fullness comes when you are understanding what are the three quarters then you understand the full full therefore the three are to be known to understand the full to explain that the upanishad is now moving to the explanation of akara ukara makara which will come later but before that he wants to the upanishad wants to tell us what are the three states of experience jagra sapna sushupti so this jagra sapna sushupti is is told in the third mantra by jagra fourth mantra by sapna fifth mantra by the sushupti and a mundane definition of the turiya in the sixth mantra 
Esha Sarveshwara Esha, like that. But what is that? The real crux or the, the nectar of this Upanishad comes in the seventh mantra. I will not be entering today to this Jagra Sopna Sushuti. I will be stopping now. But in the next class, we will take each of these experiences of Jagra Sopna Sushuti as per the Mandukya. And then we will go after the seventh mantra, we will go to the, after the sixth mantra, we will go to the Karika, where Gautapata has given the explanation for the first six mantras. We will study that, then go to the seventh mantra with Shankara Bhashya in mind. Because that Bhashya of the seventh mantra is unique and exemplary. There is no substitute in any philosophy for that Bhashya of Shankara on the seventh mantra. So there I am taking a liberty, even though people who are not knowing Sanskrit will have to bear with me because I will not leave you in darkness. I will take the Sanskrit words, I will explain that and make sure that how Shankara has explained that entire mantra in his own thing. And this Bhashya mantra of the seventh chapter, seventh mantra, has not been excelled by any philosopher known till date. So it is mandatory that we, at least I take an effort to make it available to those who are listening. To the best of my knowledge and for the best of what I have learned from my masters, I will explain, try and explain it. But first we'll have to complete the other mantras before that. Okay, I'll stop here now for today. Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyate Om Shanti 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 Parihiyom Sri Guru Bhyo Namaha Parihiyom Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Arivanduji. It was really a beautiful explanation of the first mantra. You have given a very comprehensive picture of the Omkara. That's really wonderful. I think often we do talk about all our sthatraya and it's a favorite subject to Almost all attendees here. So this is going to be a very, very interesting and uh, a wonderful Upanishad uh, classes actually. We are very happy. And today, uh, uh, thank you, Nita ma'am, for wonderful rendering of both uh, Mangala Charana Shlokas. Okay. Uh, whatever you say, it is very, very, you know, little, we cannot explain the single word Omkara. The Parampara tells that it has got uh, eight Aksharas. Uh, U, Ma, Nad, Bindu, Kalati, Tashanta, Tishanta. You can, you can years together and explain the importance of that Omkara. We are very happy and we are very fortunate uh, to listen to these things from 
अरबिंदो जी बिकॉज इट 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 रिक्वायर्स लॉड ऑफ कंटेम्पलेशन इट रिक्वायर्स लॉड ऑफ यू नो नॉलेज एंड एवरीथिंग द एक्सपीरियंस टू दोर दिस इज यू नो दिस ओपन you know a common thread for uh somebody who's new to uh, hindu dharma and, and the culture is that everything is so complex a simple word om om it it opens up so many different questions is it did the septarishis hear the word om when i was first introduced to the concept this is what i was told this was the primordial sound this was the first sound in abrahamic religions it you know it evolved from om to you know amen and amin um so my question nitya is it's twofold the did the septarishis hear the sound is that where is that was that how the the concept got it introduced and then we also have to you know deal with it as a foundational concept that you know is now introduced into this upanishad is is that it's the basis and framework for reality it's sticky stuff so is it is it the sound i mean obviously as it's explained as bindu explains we we use that sound and mm, um, and it it naturally you know flows from us but my first question nitya ji is, is how do we see this how what is the right way to interpret this and to understand it well i just uh, first i would like to remark that you see last class it was very um this upanishad is really a very short but very profound upanishad and as bindu said mandukya eva malam for a serious seeker mandukya alone is enough you see and but the prerequisite is very important one who has cleansed his doors of perception chitta shuddhi and has silenced a discursive mind and is ready to receive knowledge last class um uh, the introduction bindu gave about the importance of shabda pramana uh i found the questioners all of us missed that it was just to um highlight the importance that this upanishad um uh, bases its entire uh, 12 mantra on sound and simplifies instead of uh, you know questioning how does the sound come para pashanti madhyama vaikri all that it's not meant for that at all bindu said that to Uh, enable us to see that this universe our forefathers as the spiritual endeavor of man uh, uh, was evolving uh, categorized jagat into various categories purusha prakriti the 24 uh, whatever uh, tatvas the 64 kalas the uh, what do you call hmm, um, the sukshma and uh, stola etc but this is totally unflinchingly um this upanishad is emphasizing the category of pada and padartha nama and nami or the nama and rupa and simplifying all this esoteric knowledge into the simple everyday experience 
of how we uh, deal in this transactional world and it unique you know it does not take us through any drama and gimmicks of the other upanishads about karma that and making it all complex it's simple and direct just as shankara said kara phalam lovat just like a fruit a berry in your hand so i don't think we should inquire of course it's good to inquire as an informative lesson but then what we ought to understand the upanishadic what we call teachings the wrong word transmissions are specifically meant for people who are prepared who have got rid of the discursive mind we may want to know curiously and um you know what is so fascinating let me point out is i think we uh, we have to notice this fact that this particular upanishad is is unique because in no recorded spiritual endeavor of man do we find this analysis of the states of consciousness which is common to human experience and to lead us through this to the absolute this everyday experience without the mixing up the frills and fancy of religion ritual prayer mantra tantra itself defines the qualitative difference of the aspirant adhikari who comes to this upanishad therefore it is said mandukya evamalam and i don't there you go okay i forgot what i was saying anyway i just wanted to tell you that gaudapada's karika swaras and thanks to bindu who is going to deal with it in english uh, glosses on the mandukya is the is actually the first systematic treatise on advaita vedanta in gaudapada we find a combination you may not agree all of you but you find a combination of mysticism metaphysics spiritual intuition and reason and while the first prakarna as bindu said the agama prakarna analyzes the 12 mantra uh, the, uh, there is this compelling explanation of mithya in the second prakarna the vaithatya prakarna but today's mantras are based on the categorization of the universe jagat as pada prapancha and padartha prapancha and the first mantra does omkara vichara and the second mantra uh, on the nature of the jagat or is called in technically as atma vichara and of course we have this fantastic uh, uh, mahavakya uh, i am atma brahma which bindu was explaining and throughout from various vedas we have called out one mahavakya each and um, uh, some say pragnanam brahma is a conclusive mahavakya some say i am atma brahma is a conclusive one but actually is some um, the people who explain mandukya says that that is the introductory mahavakya and then we have the upadesha vakya atmamasi mahavakya and then the anubhuti and then the conclusion so we're looking forward to that ex- more expansion on that and that but one thing we have to um, uh, realize is we don't we like my teacher used to say if you expect to awaken a mind through jokes and examples and jokes and examples this upanishad is not for us it's straight it only uses the example of the snope and the snake and the rope etc etc the vedantic examples to prove the underlying substratum and it's brilliantly and compellingly done by god apart 
Thank you so much, Ariyum. So Nityaji, could you address um, the points that I brought up in terms of clarification on on Om as the concept and the underpinning for form, matter, past, present, and the idea and the notion that this is a primordial sound. And my question was about was it heard? Was this is this the the primordial sound that was uncovered by the Septarishis, or is this, is it being introduced in the Upanishad as a concept, or is it, is it more than that? Well, it is that all mantras are heard or seen, because the Rishis were a category of beings which uh, who had the power of drishti or spiritual vision as well as spiritual audience. It was not construed by the mind and put there. You see, so Om as a primeval sound, I don't think we need even a verification whether it was heard or not heard. Like uh, Bindu was telling, if the first sound that you can uh, throw up when you open your mouth is Ah, and when you close it, it becomes an Um. So it's Om. And that the, in that sense, it is the primordial sound which Primeval sound, the signature of Brahman, which holds all sounds. All sounds. And we did not go into its classification because the purpose of the Upanishad is to, uh, you know, shift our vision to the ultimate and the absolute. So the last, uh, the sound we can uh, let out through common experience. Forget the source books. Through common experience, the way the three states of consciousness, which you and I, like the Mandukya, the name, apart from the Rishi, it is actually Manduka means the frog. We leap from one state, not volitionally, from one, the transactional to the dream to the uh, wake, uh, deep sleep, and then we don't know. So we are uh, jumping like a frog, leaping from a, like a frog through these states of consciousness. That's another reason why this Upanishad called the name Mandukya also. But Om, I would say like all mantras, was received by the Rishi. So Patrick, I can share my experience here. I have this weird habit of, you know, go to any temple, meditate on the deity. That's how I started. You know, I used to capture the quality of the deity without being told. Like um, the, It started with Palani when I meditated and the deity was not revealing. Then there is a, something right next to me was attracted. Then I figured out a sage by name Bogar was buried there, which I was unaware. Then, you know, this Amritanandamaya when I meditated, it was all light and stars. She was a form of Shakti. Then I attempted this method on my guru I surrendered to. I meditated on him. What I heard was a deep trance, the Omkara. So that's without even knowing the Upanishad. This is a sound when I meditated on my guru. So that's how I come to know about this primordial sound. That's my experience. 
Okay, thank you, Venkatji and Nitya, thank you. Yash Raj, any thoughts? Uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Aurobindoji, for this room. And uh, like you are asking, I am the most ineligible person in this uh, stage uh, to comment uh, because uh, I am not uh, at that level. Uh, but just uh, to further my question here, uh, I wanted to ask this uh, today's mantra. In the last line, it was saying that Yachanaya Trikalatitam Tadapayo Omkara Eva. So, uh, what was the, I mean, you I know you repeated uh, two times, uh, twice uh, for. In the other shloka also, you were making this understanding. But uh, the question is still pending that what was the use of this particular line? Uh, because the, this line is saying that the, that anything else which is beyond the three period of time is also Omkara only. Uh, but it is always uh, understood that the Omkara is also like, I know this is all pointing to the Turiya Avastha where it is saying that the Turiya, the fourth, is also there in the one, two, three, past, present, uh, past, present, future, and also in, uh, in waking or, I mean, what it is saying that Omkara is present everywhere. But can it be also said that because this line is also pointing out in such a way that Omkara is beyond the three periods of time, which is also validating that the, the three period of uh, three periods, uh, the, the Omkara is independent of the, I mean, there is a state which is independent of the three period of time, which which is, I think it is uh, illogical to say. I mean, I'm sorry <laughs> for being naive here, but uh, we cannot say the time, uh, existence of time is independent of uh, the three periods of time. See, yes, here what is tadapi omkara What does it say? Trikalatitam. Trikala means past, present, and future. Atitam means beyond. So, can you mentally imagine a state of beyond present, future, and past? No. But the Upanishad says that. Yet, anyat, that which is be, be not in the three, be other than the three. The word anyat has got an important word. Other than the three, and which is beyond the three, even that is Omkara. Now, in the Omkara here, you have got, if you look at it, which will come later, is the three L three Akara Ukara Makara and then there is a Amatra where there is a silence. Now the silence is mandatory for all the three Akara Ukara Makara to be heard. If there is no silence, you cannot hear the Akara Ukara Makara. There will be a confusion there or there will be an interference. Same way, Yatrikaladitam which is beyond the time as a 
substratum unless that is present the three kala cannot be conceived by human mind whatever may be it is beyond you know the limit is infinite anadi and anandam but this anadi and anandam has to be a knowledge in something no because when you say anadi means adi is a knowledge and you are refu- refu- refuting that there is no beginning so to say no beginning you need to know beginning is of something so what we know in the transaction is when we have a waking the waking has a beginning and waking has an end same way dream has a beginning dream has an end sushupti also when we go to sleep there is a beginning there is an end so we know the three has beginning and end then the turiya has to be beyond these three but it has to be anyat in the sense that that separation you cannot see it while you are seeing the three that because it is in that turiya the jagrat swapna sushupti is coming and if the turiya is not there is the trikaladidam is not there the kala the three kala cannot exist therefore that is why it is not illogical it the logic is that in which these three kalas can exist has to be something without these kalas influence therefore it is kala adita so uh, same example like you gave uh, and really i understood i really like that example but uh, just to highlight that example the a pound cannot be independent of the quarter and the quarter cannot be independent of the pound so turiya can also cannot be or independent or omkara cannot be independent of the three states am i right in saying that so no omkara is a lakshyavachaka three states and omkara is being used synonymously for the three experiences in the omkara there are three alphabets same way in our experience there are three experiences jagra swapna sushupti and there is a turiya same way there is a amatra in that omkara also but the amatra the akara ukara makara all the four when put together only it becomes the full etat sarvamidam omkara ayam atma brahma that fullness which is inclusive of everything is what is brahma thank you so much uh bindu ji thank you so much for um, the very profound explanation uh when we hear this uh, mahavakya ayam atma brahma so uh, i thought that it is uh, uh, talking specifically about 
the atman only but when uh, now that we are seeing it as a part of the mantra so when it says that sarvam hi etat brahma and ayam atma brahma so it seems to be an extension that all this is brahma and the atma is brahma so uh, please would you say something about this that uh, am i correct in interpreting that uh, the, everything is brahman and this atma is also brahman is it uh, saying uh, it, it does it mean in that way no when you understand this way sarvam hi etat brahma sarvam that the mention what is the sarvam has been mentioned earlier so all that which can be thought about as names and forms and all the earned experiences is indeed brahman etat sarvam brahma then to assure us still if you are looking is as outward to ward off the student from getting stuck with the looking outward for idam sarvam that idam the word the idam was sarvam when it was used by the, the rishi in the beginning the tendency for the listener or the student is to look outward to everything as brahman so he may he can understand that everything else is brahman i am separate i am the one who is seeing brahman to remove that from the mind of the listener or the student the rishi is affirming that soyam atma brahma saha ayam atma brahma means saha that which has been idam brahman sarvam what has been told that i am is your atma you as atma not your atma you as atma is brahma see this is where we have to be very clear about when we the word atma or brahma is used is to directly show pratyekatmataya it is our own nature our own immediate knowledge of what we are not the body this body which we were having in the waking is no use in dream so don't think that this is required this body has no relevance it is only an instrument for measuring the waking state there is a body which is there which is measuring the dream state there is a body which is sense of the dreaming and the waking in the deep sleep but we are devoid out of the three because we know the three the three changes we are happening therefore we are separate from the three independently at the same time present in all the three otherwise we will not be knowing what is waking what is dream and what is deep sleep we are present in all the three yet independently if you look at it we are not there waking waking is the one not one which has gone to the dream not the one the one towards the deep sleep we always think that the waker the one who is dreaming and the waker is the one who is deep sleep in deep sleep no waking you had set of instruments body sense organs karmendriya janmendriya gnanendriya all those things which are that which will come in the next mantra saptangam vekona vimshati that definition will come so we are not using the same one for our experiences yet we do not see 
the one which is common in all the three. We are reacting as if the common thing is available, but yet we refuse to be that, saying we identify with the waker only. Therefore, the Upanishad says, Soyam Atma Brahma. This Atma which you, with which you know yourself is indeed that Brahman which is there in everything. Tarvam Hyatat Brahma. Everything this in this one is Brahma, which includes you, which you think as you are, is exactly the one which everyone, every atom thinks that way. For experience of every atom is the same experience what we have individually of ourselves as what we are. If we do not identify with our name, it's a name and form of the body. This is the purpose of that. So as we move from mantra one to mantra two, we see that Om is everything. It's past, future, present. It's Jagat. It's, it's all of this. It's all of that. And then we move into the explanation that the self is Om as well. Om is Brahman. The self is Brahman. All of this, all of that is Brahman. And then we move into a discussion that there's an explanation of in detail of the four quarters as we'll move forward in the Upanishad. But this in itself, Sarvam Kalidam Brahma, that that all of this is Brahman. It's it's the most revolutionary or radical statement that could be made about reality. So we we shouldn't skip over this. And so you have the Brahman and then the Atma. The Atma is also Brahman. Everything is Brahman. So it expresses itself in the world of transactional reality. Um, the transactional reality um, has a closed system within the body that gives the appearance of self, of ego, that it is a real thing. Because it is a closed system, it also gives the appearance that we are separate from Brahman. <clears throat> Once we start realizing that we are not that transactional world and that is that it is just a concept, uh, what we have accepted and personalized it, um, then we can start seeing that everything is in reality, Brahman, because it is everything we do as a person, everything we are, everything we see, everything we experience, everything we observe, in reality, everything is Brahman. And the Atma is the expression in the transactional world. Am I saying this right? We should understand that 
how these expressions need to be understood in the light of mandukya because other upanishads have taught taken very very there are different upanishads taking through different prakriya or the processes of understanding educating some they some of them give the creation how the you know the the brahman has become a virat or hiranyagarbha then how does the panchabhuta panchatattvasma comes up all those things are one set of upanishads is there do you mean to say they are wrong no depending upon the capability of the student to understand they are bringing different methodology of explaining the same thing here what you are in this realm of upanishad what it is saying that sarvam hyadat brahma everything this is brahman i am atma brahma this atma this atma includes in that sarvam therefore that is also brahma so there is no way in which this atma is independent of brahma no if the wave is never independent of the ocean same way this atma is never independent to even feel that it is only a small minuscule or an entity separate but inside the whole no it is not that way the superstition is saying this upanishad is saying that there is only one thing and that is etat sarvam this is everything it includes this don't think that this has a part of it or the whole part and the whole no no way it's a part and the whole it is the same thing the wave is not separate from the ocean same way the four padas or four experiences which we are talking about of if that is why chatushpad with the four aspects of it for knowing for knowing spheres but the knowledge in which those four spheres are taking place is only one the knowledge of the waking the knowledge of the dream the knowledge of the deep sleep and the knowledge of knowing that the three are happening all the three are nothing but knowledge yeah that knowledge is indivisible undivided one that is how the you have to understand it thank you i think the best way to understand this is that the appearance uh the appearance is is numerous and multiple but that's just how it appears it operates in unison thank you patrick i understand namaste vindu ji i just wanted to ask one small thing like when we say that the first two shlokas are exhaustive but the last line of the second st- shloka seems to be leaving the seeker 
hanging and anticipating more right if it did not stop at i am atma brahma but then it is giving a statement like i am so i am atma chatushpat so the seeker would be interested to know more kind of thing right yeah see those who are those who are not understood that i am atma brahma soyam i am that soyam atma there that samana adhikaranyam or the satsatam for both saha and i am that and this when it is mentioning that and this that there are a set of students who will not understand that and this is the atma means that atma and this atma is the same that brahman this brahman what is being referred is all the same so for their purpose the rishi puts in a word chatushpad means if you want to know it as four quartered please understand that way because our from your experience you are having four so even if you think that you are the atma you are four experiences are inclusive of bodham bhavit bhavishyat and kalaatitam all those things in all whichever way you look at it whether the you want to take the four quarters or whether you want to take the three kalas or in the fourth in the adita or if you are looking at this is in the the three uh, avastas jagrat swapna sushupti in whichever way you look at it you will come to the same conclusion those who understood that i am atma brahma for him the chatushpad has no relevance for it but those who have understood that chatushpad how does it i am atma brahma that question which you asked for them the chatushpad is important so they will look for the fourth one and why what is what is the meaning of chatushpad the 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 most it's the most radical a notion and and it's and and it's so easy to 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 overlook this um binduji but i i don't mean to diminish um what's what's said in the supanishad but what i understand is that all of this all of these words are concepts that were used to to illuminate and educate that at the end of the day there's no atman there there's 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 just that and if you want to call that brahman then we can call it brahman but all there is is this appearance the everything else is a name that we put to what appears as the form correct yes if you are saying that only that is there such a person doesn't we doesn't have to interact or doesn't have to say anything he becomes quiet but if you are if you are talking or if anyone is talking about it then the questions will come what is the transaction or what is the talk you are talking what is the name and what is the form what is the meaning of the words what does it stand for so to such a person you need to mention that you are calling name and form for the rest of the thing which includes you therefore you are you are not separate from them you are also that in the realm of the same same experience so when you are talking about the absolute there is nothing to be talked etra vedana vayada bhavati brahadaranya upanishad says that even the even the upanishad becomes non non, non teaching that there is nothing more to be nyate tatve by once you know the truth there is nothing more to be known or nothing more to be taught 
there is nobody else to be taught nobody else to speak to nothing is there you see everything sarvam apnoti sarvasha yatra dhanya pasyadi anyati janadi anyat srunoti all those upanishad is telling the same thing but that is an experience of the one who learns the knowledge thereafter whether he wants to talk or not talk doesn't make a difference even when he is talking he is not talking for him there is no talking happening it is it is exactly what people say they not talk about the jnanis from the jnanis point of view he is not even a jnani but for the rest of the people he is a jnani who knows who has understood everything from his point of view he is not a jnani others are also not jnani or everybody is a jnani for him so depends upon what is the immediate experience of the one who speaks and from what level he is speaking that makes a difference it's like there's two truths you know and it's and it's the it's the notion that there's two truths that the appearances the form the names that are attributed to the form and in the appearance we can't deny that we have an experience of these forms we can't deny it that would be absurd but the lie is when the notion that all of this is a part when that's introduced as as a truth that's when that's when the delusion that's when that 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 separate self is created and that's when the split begins to happen so all of the world all of jagat all of the appearance becomes separate from that one doesn't become um, it is an sorry. appearance yeah 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 the experience uh, even when even when in any experience we are not analyzing our experience therefore we separate our experience and objects of experience separate from us for example if the pot the name and the shape and the utility is the experience of the pot but when that pot is being experienced as a name as a shape and as a utility of the pot the realization that the name is only a transactional name given for a shape and the shape is nothing but depending upon the mud the utility is only possible as well as the mud is the reality the reality of the name and the form and the utility is depending upon the reality of the mud same way the experiences of the object the experiences reality the experiences of the object and the experiencing all are dependent only on the reality of the experiencer who is experiencing the object the object has no independent reality the experience has no independent reality without the reality of the object the ob- experiencer so the experiencer's reality which is being superimposed upon the experience and the experience, object of experience 
this similarity between these two examples, if you can understand that, then whether experiences happens or not, you know the reality what it is, and therefore it doesn't affect anymore. Prasad. Yes, Aurobindo. Namaste. 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 Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, Aurobindo, you want me to say something? Yeah, we would like to hear you. Right, right. Thank you. I was just listening. Uh, there's, there's. Uh, I was listening to the idea of Omkara and uh, everything that revolves around it. So there are many schools uh, that have interpreted uh, Omkara, right? And in the tradition that I've come from, there are monks who have heard uh, uh, the sound of Omkara arising from their navel, <coughs> and uh, it was a spontaneous shabda. It is something similar to what uh, happens even in a state of uh, what is known as ajapa japa, that is uh, 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 unstimulated uh, process of chanting. You don't stimulate the chant; it happens spontaneously. So uh, I would like to make this distinction. I think uh, Nityaji mentioned it in the beginning that uh, when you are approaching the the Mandukya Upanishad, uh, you should know, I mean, the, the, the qualification, the adhikari uh, has to be very clear in the sense that if you're looking for mysticism in trying to elaborate on the idea of Om and trying to figure out its essence and all of that, uh, you will get it, right? Uh, there, is, there, is, there are lots of texts that deal with that. And uh, a lot of schools of philosophy have also dealt with that. But if you're approaching it from the standpoint of coming to the realization of the reality, right, then it's better to not give any sort of excessive uh, uh, interpretations or even give an excessive uh, 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 idea, I mean, uh, to, to look into it excessively about what's the nature of Om, uh, the best thing that uh, a seeker would uh, make sense out of with the idea of Om is, uh, I heard Aurobindji speak about it, about A, U and M. And if you see, uh, the Upanishads say, Vacharambanam, Vikaro, Namadheyam. So whatever notions you have of this world, the ideas you create about every subject, every object that you see in this world is further strengthened by the, 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 the names that you give to it. And suppose if, I, suppose if I say this is a building, then I'm also saying that this is not a car when I'm looking at a building because there are ideas in my mind about a car. So there's a distinction being created about a building. So I'm not actually asserting the isness of the building, but I'm negating everything that is not a building, right? This is what Vikaru Namadheyam means. So one should understand that this is how the mind plays with everything in this world. And as we are uh, forced upon to uh, see this world with diversities, which is further stamped with the idea of name and form, we create multiple uh, branches, as the Gita says, Bahushaka like uh, multiple branches of the mind, right? Now, Om 
for a, I'm I'm speaking purely from an Advaitic uh, uh, seeker and not from a mystical seeker because uh, let's say uh, Mr. X today raises his hand and says I know what the I know what the Omkara is this is what the Omkara is it's it's a mystical sound that is heard by the yogis right then the Upanishad here which is speaking of the reality becomes flawed because the experience the the declaration of the Upanishads has to be that which is known to everybody it has to be known through to everybody so when the Upanishads say that all this manifested reality is indeed Om and that which is beyond is also Om what it is trying to say is symbolically everything is the self the beyond the existence everything is indeed the self and therefore taking Om symbolically for an Advaitic seeker makes more sense than looking into the mysticism of it right so that's one point uh, one has to be careful about but if one wants to like you know again explore then there's you know the whole uh, the whole uh, range of mystic uh, experiences that one can have but if I'm not going to have that experience and you're going to have that experience and then that says that my experience is different from your experience and this is what the Upanishad says then that is not what the Upanishad says this is in the realm of mysticism whereas reality has to be that which is present in all the three phases of time and is the knowledge is my immediate knowledge even right now Pratibodha in every experience it is my immediate knowledge and it has to be tallied as that which is verified by every single being in this universe in this very moment that is the truth anything apart from that is the realm of the mind or the realm of the projection or the realm of the spanda you can call it anything and it 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 has it has millions of degrees millions of experiences every sage do not have the same experiences the depth of experience the magnitude and the vastness of it so that is one thing that the seeker has to understand that the mandukya is not speaking of anything mystical that would give you an experience and not me an experience if we are true interpreters study the mandukya it has to be that which uh, is horizontally deployed in every being's experience so in that sense om is better seen with the idea that every object that we see in this world we have created differences owing to their attributes and those attributes are further strengthened by the name that we give to it now understand that all names you can see all different attributes fine everything functions differently now you see that all the names that you call actually come with om everything is within om then you start seeing everything as om call everything om and then you see how the mind stops multiplying itself the mind starts becoming centered this is just one way this is with the visible universe and in that one can go to dig much but you cannot say that everything is a self till you realize your inner core to be the self the substratum of it so there's no point discussing whether this real whether this world is actually vibrating with ohm or whether this ohm symbolically representing the self is what this world is it can only be ascertained or established when the seeker realizes that that ohm is me and that ohm symbolizes a self and that is me and that me that expansive me is indeed this visible universe there's no differentiation whatsoever 
neha nana asti kinchana there's no difference whatsoever there's no distinction whatsoever so it's always best to go inside otherwise you know it just becomes uh, a a beautiful model for discussion and deliberation and you know enjoyment of uh, intellectual uh, gymnastics which is fine by itself but i'm talking from the standpoint of a pure advaitic seekers for the ones who are there so that way uh, the upanishad is trying to arrest arrest the mind that first of all is going outward and trying to see everything is different and then to go into the core and to realize that that substratum is verily that and this way when when one understands one sees that the upanishads can be spoken of as uh, i mean the om can be seen as something mystical or it can be seen as the symbol of the self and the symbol of the self when 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 we speak of om that we can deliberate at another time is the best possible thing we can think of and uh, as aurobindo says uh, one best way to think of is because every word that uh, our mind actually vibrates with every shabda comes within these three uh, uh, words and uh, within these three alphabets and within that it subsumes the whole of the uh, the thinking world that is there but that is not where the aspirant is supposed to be and that is where uh, aurobindo is going to drive and that's where the 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 upanishad is also going to drive yes it's declared that for the first that is seen because the biggest problem with uh, realization of the self is even if you talk about the self that this is the self that is to be realized the aspirant's problem is what am i seeing then what is this i want to make sense out of this so the upanishad touches upon that but the upanishad will never declare anything definitive about the seen world because the only thing that can be seen that can be specific about the seen world is that it is the self but again the upanishad uh, the the mandukya upanishad also has to say that anything that you think about this not the mandukya upanishad the upanishadic thought has to say that anything you want to think about this universe is not true anything it can be partial truth but it's not the ultimate truth so this is how the upanishad goes in the negation process where it is saying that everything that you think about this universe you can you know einstein tried to do this right uh, the theory that fits all uh, he 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 worked his entire life to get to one principle that explains the whole of this universe the visible universe and he just realized that he is just at the brink of it and thinkers have gone even to deeper fabrics of this universe that try to uh, explain the single cause for the entire universe so this way uh, this kind of a multiplication of thoughts uh, has to be arrested and an inward journey has to be taken in and the mandukya should be seen uh, should be seen from that standpoint rather than an excessive discussion on the omkara and uh, things like that the uh, uttaramimamsakas have done uh, uh, a lot of deliberation on om and the power of shabda regarding om as well but uh, a gyana uh, the person the purva mimamsaka when they approach it they approach it purely from the standpoint of realization of the atma i just wanted to add this from my perspective and remember this is completely my perspective uh, uh, people can have their mystical angles to it and everything is true but uh, uh, from an advaitic seeker's perspective is just i just want to add my notion to it thank you
Thank you, Prasad. That was brilliant summary of uh, exactly what uh, Upanishadic knowledge stands for. Um, arresting discursive thought. Thank you so much for it. Even Om becomes a symbol because one Om is actually just part of Sabana Brahma. Thank you so much. You're so articulate and you spelled it out just um, beautifully. Thanks once again. Hari Om. Hari Om. Prasadji, but um, um, have, I mean, uh, this, I don't see the disconnect here because uh, what you were saying as the self, the self as a symbol of form, that uh, is also the mystical experience of Aham Brahmasmi, is it not? So there does not seem to be a disconnect, I think. Uh, no, uh, the realization of the self is not a mystical experience. It is the experience of pure being. That is that which is even right now. The realization of the Atman is not that which was not there and now you've attained it. Anything that which is not there, which in Sanskrit we call as Vidita and Avidita, is not in the realm of reality. So that mystical experience, anything that is mystical, is born of the mind and it has various degrees of it and they can go from the extreme gross uh, material realistic material reality to the extreme subtle material reality but the realization of the self is not mystical at all that's that's the process that i was trying to say that the the self when it is realized it is realized that it was always there anything any notion if anybody says i've realized the self oh my god it's it's a new realization for me that's not the self anything mystical is not the self the self right. is present right here right now right so the semantics here of course is um, uh, the revelation itself is a mystical experience so this is really a matter of semantics and um, i don't uh, see the discord really i think it's the same it's saying the same thing yeah, in, uh, see, in the in the field of spirituality, mysticism is seen different from jnana. So uh, it depends on you know what kind of uh, uh, you know semantics are you speaking of. But in the in the field of uh, realization, jnana and vijnana and all the experiences that come uh, from the mind are seen differently. Gyanam is that which has to be present in all three phases of time, which is what the Upanishad will say. And that alone can be established as the reality. And that is always, that is. I, th I think the question that comes is that, uh, okay, I understand all this, but then how to realize that self? And usually this is like what stops the person from truly understanding the import of the Upanishad, in my opinion. Because what that does is like, you know, because the mind always separates itself and asks these kind of questions. So the very understanding is, you know, is it actually, there's nothing more other than understanding. Okay. And uh, then it has to sink in, it has to go into the, what we call as going into the heart, where basically it, it kind of like, you know, uh, it, it removes the assumptions that the mind was making and kind of creates a new mind, one can say. Of course, yeah, all this doesn't happen, but it's like, you know, a, a process which was existing to look at mysticism, to look at this, to look at that, that whole process has to stop. Because really speaking, there's nothing other than, but even after like understanding, if that mind still remains and says, okay, I understand it, but how do I reach there or what, do, what should I do? 
then of course nothing has been understood the whole purpose of upanishads is to you know to truly in fact the statement make us understand also is wrong because you know uh, the moment it's kind of seen then uh, the mind has already dissolved because you realize that uh, uh, this is it kind of a thing right i mean yes, i think that know, difficulty so, is there yeah yes yeah, so when when it is said you know that the truth is already uh, revealed to you i mean it is not that you invented or you discovered it it's all, always there it's um you know you're not attaining something which was not there so but the thing is that there is a difference between that realization and the and the and the existence and the reality of not realizing that so there is a dichotomy over here and uh, no, but the realization not something different uh, here uh, see it all depends on what truth we hold within us right you know so there is okay what is meant by holding of truth okay holding of truth is like you know whatever uh, is seen to be true right and of course there is already a division even when i state state the statements right so uh, the thinking will automatically happen when the questions end because the questions are always to the mind or to the entity which was trying to be you know separate from the reality and then ask these questions so the moment that thinking happens then you are that anyway i mean it's seen also like it's not even a doubt or anything like that right what more is required i think the question over here which uh, uh, which needs to be said is that since there is a dichotomy of the realization of the self and the state in which that realization is not there there is obviously a factor or a variable which makes it happen and that factor is um, is it is what it is and we can call it what we want we can call it mysticism we can call it knowledge we can call it gyan we can call it whatever we want but there is that uh, that x factor which turns which makes that revelation happen and makes that truth uh, real so um, and, and <laughs> That See, is the, what is the or what is the basis for this? In in the sense that there has to be some basis for it, right? So, what is the basis for even taking this position, for example? The basis it's a very simple thing that there is a difference between the state of realization and the state of not being realized. But there is no it's difference. Like, no, that's what yeah. like you know Upanishads are telling. It's like saying. So 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 we know. So where is the difference? So where is the difference, right? So we know exactly. So when we look at water, okay, so water does exist in its three states. There is, uh, you, you know, it vaporizes into steam or it can solidify into ice. But they all three water. The point which I'm saying, uh, which I'm trying to make over here, they do still exist in three different states. there is a difference between one state and the other even though it's no but then they exist because there is a entity which is observing them observing same thing in three states correct so right. it is like i said that this is a this is a manner of speech finally it comes down to a manner manner of speech and at the perspective and the point of reference that you are coming from yeah no but then trying to truly understand that aspect as to what is it that kind of is really the one which is, who is either differentiating or that the one which says that like you no know, yes there is there are multiple states and i exist in this state to be even able to say that i exist in this state what all is required 
you know what all i have to kind of like you know assume about myself and then only when only when you deconstruct that when when we see that it's like not really so then only this type of questions will uh, dissolve you know yeah if you ask like whether the upanishads will help you in that you know some may believe some may not believe because uh, you know if somebody sees it as okay it is just expressing a truth just like einstein said e c is equal to mc squared but i may not really understand how it is right so that way also one can see the upanishads yes but then like you Vitoji, know i think it's like you sorry, know sorry. we are going deep right i mean already we went sufficiently deep into this yes i think uh, vinod ji the beauty of the upanishads and the beauty of advaita vedanta uh, really manifests once one has had some kind of experience of it and uh, it manifests even in a finer and a far more honed way if it's a mystical experience because any mystical experience is the basic uh, emanation of all the knowledge of the scriptures uh, in vedanta and um, the upanishads so i think mystical practices of what is we cannot be dismissive of that because uh, what is finally being uh, said in the upanishads and the and all the vedantic uh, the vedas of vedantic philosophy is a corroboration of uh, mystical experience shivani will you say that if the upanishad is saying that we are going through jagrat and sapna and sushupti it is a common experience upanishad just has nothing to say that but upanishad is saying that while we are going through the jagrat sapna and sushupti the waker the dreamer and the deep sleep state there is a fourth stay fourth point of view where you have not seen till now that are you the one not knowing that you are going through the three states so you being an observer to the changes have to be separate from the three at the same time being knowing that it is happening you were present there also so you were present there yet you know the changes so you are separate from it so knowing when experiencing you are one with it when you are knowing that it is changing you are you are also separate from it so simultaneously you are in it and at the same time you are separate from it this type of a knowledge is not a mystical knowledge it is a knowledge which the upanishad wants each and every one us which prasad was telling to understand and think and realize in one's own experience it is not a mystical realization it is a common experience for everyone that jagrat sapna sushupti happens so upanishads are not giving mystical direction for experiences it is a common experience pradibodha viditam matam amrutatva hivindate pradibodha viditam every experience is only showing you that you are the one who is knowing the experience whether it be moving from jagrat sapna sushupti or in the jagrat itself you are knowing multiple things you while you are knowing multiple things don't identify with the jagrat alone you are beyond the jagrat you are using jagrat to experience jagrat experiences you are the one who is using the dreamer experience to dream experiences 
So all the three are changing is known from an unattached point of view where you know the three things are being observed by you. So the observer is to be different from the observed. This is what the Upanishad is talking about. It is not Binduji, a mystical experience. I, absolutely, Binduji. But where I would beg to differ with you is that it does become a mystical experience because with the state of Turiya is uh, not available or accessible in the normal uh, sleeping, waking, or dream no, state. No, no, it is what he's saying. What this, what the Upanishad says is that uh, even when you were seeing the snake in the rope, the rope has never become the snake. The before, the now, and the later, all the time, the reality one, which was the one which you saw the snake was not a snake, but the reality of this rope. It is the reality of the rope which you mistook for the snake. Same way, the reality of your experience, which you are experiencing the waker, dream and deep sleep as a normal experience, is the same experience which you will have even when you know that you are the one who is observing that. You are not going to have a mystical separate experience which is other than the three. No. Bintuji, no, I agree with you in the sense that, yes, there is an intellectual understanding of the differences, but there is also when one is in meditation and one is has experienced the state of Turiya and has been able to dissociate the witness from the waking dream and uh, sleep state, it becomes a mystical experience and it becomes a corroboration of all the tenets of the Upanishads which you've just spoken about. Binduji, I have to agree with Shivani, and I, I, I don't think we can take a one rigid standpoint. Mysticism and Gnosticism are two aspects of human spiritual endeavor. Call it what you may. Can you please define a mysticism, Bindu? And the other thing I would like to quote, not I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't use the word mysticism, so I can't yeah, define but you it. Have to, but there those, is that type. Those, those were. No, those who are defining mysticism, experiences are known for them. They should define it. No, it's not that. Okay, explain without text twisting. Just because somebody, some Acharya, some antiquity uh, have interpreted. Well, how do you explain the simple verse of the Gita? Sankhya yogo prithag balaha pravadantina panditaha ekam apyavstitas samyak ubhayor vindate phalam or yat sankhya prapyate sthanam not in your Advaitic Shankaracharya Bhashya. Please explain it being true to the words of Bhagwan's Bhagwan's words. Don't text twist. I'm not denying Absol the non-dualism. Absolutely. Not that. All that fun, both the slokas are very clearly and explicitly telling that. The one who, whether you through the yoga or through the jnana yoga, what you are experiencing, going to experience is the, the, the awareness, absolute awareness in which all these things are happening. There is no yogi, no jnani separate when it comes to the absolute awareness point of view. Whether you want to don't aware of a yogi or whether you want to do a yogi or a karma yogi, it is all from the relational point of view. From the absolute point of view of experience, pradibodham or awareness, there is no difference. Then why are you cancelling the integrated mystical experience? Because a human, as a human being, 
we contain levels of consciousness. I'm not talking absolute here. I'm talking about the Vyavaharika transactional world. You may be very predominantly intellectual, another may be, uh, you know, uh, uh, for lack of a word, very yogic or mystical. Uh, how do you, Sri Ramakrishna reads the same place where uh, Totapuri led him. He did, right? All of us do. You're right about reaching the same goal, but don't run down a particular uh, endeavor of man towards spirituality. That's all is my request. This is exactly, this is exactly what Prasad was telling that. It cannot be one man's experience. If truth is there, truth is for everyone the same. Take it or leave it. Nitaji, I would very much agree that there are experiences, which of course, you know, everybody experiences, right? I mean, that is a very you know, fact of life and maybe that is a purpose of life also. So in the domain of experiencing, there are so many different types of experiences. Right. But the question is like, you know, that whether those experiences ultimately contribute to the understanding. Vinoji, okay. all these experiences could be Branti, a hallucination. All this, uh, you know, what you claim is a Brahmic experience also could be a Branti. So let's not say everybody has, each one has every experience. No. When all, each one's experience through a various path, truth has no path arrives at the same truth that the transactional world is a dependent reality and that om, that Brahman alone or the absolute alone is what sustains everything that that is a real experience uh, whatever real understanding but not everybody has his experience a madman has his experience does that matter that's not mysticism no no my point is like you know that See, one can go deeper into what experiencing itself is, right? In the sense that, but, like, but in this is, level of absolute, there is no experience. There is neither the experiencer, the experienced, or whatever. There's nothing. No, that's right. But 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 when people do talk about mystical experiences and things like that, one can go deeper into that, right? Let's say, for example, like you know, I uh, see there are again even there also there are different types. Somebody sees a God, for example, as if real, like somebody, a God is coming and sitting in front of me, as if real. But that is called hallucination also, simultaneously, right? So one can put a lot of, uh, you know, mysticism into it, or one may just, just say that it's just a feature of, the, uh, of our own brain where we can hallucinate anything, because even as it is also, we are hallucinating only, right? There's no connection between the light which is outside and what we are experiencing because the light is not entering the middle of the brain anyway. So already like, you know, we are in that kind of situation, right? And then like, you know, when, you know, some experience are totally touch kind of experiences, you know, when we touch something, there is an experience of solidity, for example. Now the deeper aspect of the touch is like when your whole body vibrates, for example, when like, you know, some, uh, when you hear some news or when something happens, you know, or when you're in some certain states, the whole body vibrates which is again related to the touch experience. But ultimately these are like, you know, experience are always like, you know, require a physicality in a way, right? I mean, at least that part is like, you know, we can debate about it. I'm not saying it's an absolute kind of a truth. You know, uh, what I'm trying to say is that in the, in the consciousness, the five senses are the first to come. And like, you know, there are so many combinations of the five senses that we do have variety of experiences from that. But how to, how, see, 
any guru, for example, creates a path because, you know, there has to be a sense that, okay, I am like progressing, I am this thing, I'm, I'm going forward. You know, even in like, you know, Vedanta path also, there is like, you know, progress. It's not like, you know, there's no progress. But the progress no. is only artificial, right? It's not like, you know... No, it's not a question of progress. In Vyavahara, there is such a thing called evolution. Let me quote to you something from Sri Aurobindo. And um, may I, Jatveda ji, can I quote? Hello. Yeah, yeah, please, ma'am. Please go ahead. Please, ma'am. Ma yeah, I just want to say the symbol Om, the great ascending word, the zero covers an immortal face. A high and black negation is not all. A huge extinction is not God's last word. Life's ultimate sense, the close of being's course, the meaning of this great mysterious world, in absolute silence, cleaves an absolute power. Awaking, it can wake the transbound soul, and in the ray, reveal the parent sun. It can make the world a vessel of spirit force. It can fashion in the clay God's perfect shape. To free the self is but one radiant pace. Here, to fulfill himself was God's desire. I know Advaitins will not agree, but I'm basically an Advaitin in the Purna Advaitin sense. So forgive me. But I really don't see uh, where's the contention here, actually. I mean, uh, uh, like I said, right, uh, for example, the, the the cult that I belong to uh, emphasized on the vision of Sri Ramakrishna, right? Now, these are mystical experiences. This is how we call them again, right? The semantics may be different from one person to the other. And these experiences are always bound to be there in some form or the other. Now, let me be frank. I didn't have the vision of Sri Ramakrishna. So uh, the ones who have had it will now say that I am not a realized soul in the realm of mysticism. But what I think Binduji tried to assert is that that which is, right, the substratum of it. And I believe uh, we're talking about that. And both of them are valid. Like, for example, the vision of God is a simultaneous vision of knowledge as well, right? It and uh, when when Arjuna was granted the Vishwarupa Darshana, he was seen, he was made to see Srishti, Stiti, and Pralaya all at one given moment, as if everything was just being sucked in the great void, right? So in that sense, if you if you observe this experience of mysticism definitely teaches us a thing or two about the nature of this world which we thought to be real as to what its actual nature is and that's all fair you know in the realm of mysticism it's all fair it's all accepted but what advaita speaks of is the substratum of it and i guess here is just a little bit of difference and both are accepted there's no problem there Thank you. Hello. Namaste.